I'm Kate, and welcome to the Picture House Podcast, where we discuss the architecture, design, and history of America's early cinemas. We hope that telling the stories of these places and the people associated with them will help you explore their place in our collective memory and our communities today. In our last episode, we talked about the Bowler Brothers' incredible design for the Chemo Theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Chemo was designed to utterly blend into, and at the same time completely embody, its surroundings. Today's theater, located in St. Joseph, Missouri, takes a completely different tact. It evokes nothing of its place smack dab in the middle of America, but instead transports patrons and passers-by to the Middle East. If you go back and listen to our series on the Movie Palace, you'll see that this Bowler Theater couldn't be more of a textbook example of the exotic, atmospheric style. Let's get lost in the Missouri. In 1925, there began to be interest in the construction of a large motion picture theater for St. Joseph. In March of 1926, a lease was secured on a downtown corner in the city, the northwest corner of 8th and Edmond Streets, to be exact, by the CHNS Building Company. Made up of Joseph H. Cooper of New York, Samuel Harding of Kansas City, and Eli Shire of Lincoln, Nebraska, CHNS proposed to construct a half a million dollar theater, the first in St. Joseph exclusively for motion pictures, and one that would in beauty of design, elaborateness of appointments, and completeness of equipment, promised to surpass any theater in that section of the state. Indeed, Cooper claimed it would be one of the finest theaters in Missouri. CH&S commissioned the Bowler Brothers to design the theater. Early on, it was reported that plans were being drawn by Robert Bowler. The building being designed would be 75 by 140 feet and face on Edmond Street. Initially, only the west 75 feet of the property would be used, and the building would house only the theater. Unlike many Bowler theaters, the Missouri wasn't originally intended to have office space. Construction was slated to begin June 1, 1926, with an ambitious six-month schedule proposed. Once completed, the Missouri would be a first-run house for famous players Lasky Paramount, as a link in the globe-encircling chain of playhouses controlled by that syndicate. However, June of 1926 came and went, with no movement at 8th and Edmond in St. Joseph. Although the contract for structural steel had been awarded to the St. Joseph Structural Steel Company for $25,000, it wasn't until mid-July that general construction bids were received. Eight companies submitted bids, four of them local St. Joseph concerns. The reason given for the delay was that the building plans were updated to accommodate the installation of a modern refrigeration plant that would cost upwards of $75,000 and be a great asset to the theater. The St. Joseph Gazette reported some additional details about the building, including that its front would be about 45 feet in height and the architecture, a combination of Spanish Renaissance, Gothic, and Persian period style. The front of the building would be illuminated by hidden lights. In mid-August, 
Robert Bowler took the bids to New York to famous players' Lasky offices for final selection. And so it was that summer ended, with work yet to commence on what would become the Missouri. Finally, on the 10th of September, the construction contract for $155,000 was awarded to the W.J. Ossenmacher Construction Company of Lincoln, Nebraska. Ossenmacher's contract included raising of the site's existing buildings. Other contracts were also let at this time, including for sheet metal work to Seaman and Shusky and to CF Rock Plumbing and Heating for building systems. Standard Electric Company was awarded a contract of around $14,000 for all of the wiring and electrical work. The clearly important refrigeration plant would be installed by the Paramount Interests after the theater is completed. Along with the announcement of the contract letting, building details continued to trickle out. The theater will have a cathedral front, the turrets will rise 84 feet above the sidewalk level, and the top of the electric sign, Missouri, will be 104 feet from the sidewalk, reported the Gazette. Clearing of the site began in mid-September of 1926 by a crew of 50 men, and work progressed pretty steadily after that. In November, delivery of a big old 14-ton steel beam that would support the first balcony made the papers. And, by the first week of December of 26, all of the Missouri's steelwork was complete. By this time, the St. Joseph Gazette was quoting a price of $750,000 for the Missouri Theater, up from the original half-a-million-dollar estimate. Progress on the building continued as 1927 dawned. The front of the playhouse is finished in terracotta, which is fast nearing the top. The stonework is of various colors and design, and presents a very pleasing view. The side walls are also nearing completion. Steam connection has been made and the building will be heated so that work may proceed inside without interruption. And work did proceed, slowly but surely. One interesting aspect of the Missouri's construction that warranted local news coverage in early 27 was the ornamental zinc ticket booth by Seaman and Shusky about six feet square and more than eight feet high. The handmade booth took two men working two months, and when it was completed, it would be inlaid with blue tile, giving the whole a pleasing appearance. In April, it was reported that virtually all construction work on the new Missouri Theater is complete. There remains the plastering and interior decorating to be done. On June 15, 1927, the St. Joseph Gazette was finally able to report that the Missouri Theater's opening was imminent. The great lengths gone to for this movie palace, and the time taken with it, gave St. Joseph one of the most beautiful amusement houses west of the Mississippi River. The Gazette opined that the theater is a luxury in its architectural appointments. The motif is oriental with walls of stucco colored with varied subdued tints. Colored lighting from hidden recesses softens and deepens, causing a wonderful spectacle. One of the finest refrigeration plants has been installed at the theater, ensuring evenness of temperature and evenness of humidity at all times. A ventilating system changes air every three minutes. I'll just add a quick note here that by this time, the theater's cost was being reported as a cool million dollars. 
The theater was said by its management to represent the faith that the operators have in the future of St. Joseph, that they regard St. Joseph as a growing metropolitan center and worthy of the very best. And the citizens of St. Joseph, at least in the eyes of local journalists, were indeed getting the very best. A stunning surprise is in store for St. Joseph residents when they enter the Missouri Theater. The beauty of the house is striking, and it will take some time for the average movie fan to get ready to view a motion picture, as much remains to be seen in the artistic decorations of this house. The Gazette guessed that probably what will take the eye of the critic first and foremost is the canopied ceiling. As one stands in the theater and looks up, he will have the feeling he is within four walls, but with nothing overhead except a huge tented canopy of delicate scarlet tint. This canopy is held in place, presumably by 16 massive ropes attached to the sidewalls. It requires only little imagination to create the illusion of being seated in a large, open-air amphitheater, the canopied ceiling almost hiding the clouds which drift in the sky and the night clouds passing by. Suspended from the tent top is a large chandelier, elaborately constructed, which lights the entire balcony and main floor. There are more than 500 lamps in the chandelier, and virtually every color combination may be obtained by a touch of the switch backstage. Through the use of red, blue, white, and orange colors, the interior of this theater can be made to depict night, dusk, or dawn. If you recall back to our discussion of atmospheric theaters, this ceiling-sky effect will definitely sound familiar. The bowler's overall design for the auditorium was to give the appearance of an open-air playhouse of ancient royal splendor, with the ceiling being just one component of this. For example, sculptures on the sidewalls included a winged bull ornamented with a glorified head of royalty. This is Lamassu, an Assyrian deity. There were more decorative details throughout, said by the Gazette to be signs and symbols of Persian, Assyrian, Arabian, and Hittite rules of antiquity. Other ornamentation included massive columns surmounted by kneeling calves, wide window-like spaces showing, as it were, the barren landscapes beyond, sacrificial goats kneeling before the trees of mystery, and archers in combat, chariot racers, richly colored in ceramic reds and blues, with sun-baked yellows. These and even more incredible architectural and interior design touches awaited those who would attend opening night. The Missouri Theater threw open its doors on June 25, 1927, and welcomed patrons into a veritable palace of splendor. One enters the inside lobby, then the main foyer of the theater, and is impressed by the massiveness and beauty of the interior. Rich velvet rugs carpet the foyer, the aisles, stairways, and the mezzanine floor. The foyer has the luxury and richness of an oriental palace. From there, heavily carpeted stairways lead on both sides to the mezzanine. There is only one flight of stairs to this floor. The furnishings of the mezzanine are gorgeous and would do credit to the home of a millionaire. Expense has not been spared to make this lounge floor attractive in every respect, and the impression is created of a room in a Persian mosque. 
Comfortable lounges and easy chairs upholstered in the finest mohair are found in abundance. The restrooms for women, the men's smoking room, and the nursery for children are located on the mezzanine floor. In the elaborate auditorium that was described earlier, it was said that, whether on the balcony or on the main floor, the guest will find himself seated so that he obtains an unobstructed view of the stage, for there are no pillars or posts to shut off the view or make one seat more desirable than another. Seating capacity was cited at just over 1,400, with 600 on the main floor and 800 in the balcony. All patrons would be attended by a large staff of uniformed ushers who received four-hour-a-day training for a week to be schooled thoroughly in courtesy, promptness, and efficiency. From the street, the Missouri could hardly be missed. As if the turreted, cathedral-like facade wasn't enough to grab the attention of passers-by, the signage by Norton Company of New York sure was. Combined in the sign equipment in front of the new Missouri Theater, heralding the location and offerings of the theater, are all the things most to be desired in an electric sign. It compels attention. It is attractive and pleasing to the eye. It has motion, lifelike and smooth. It has color. It proclaims to all St. Joseph that the Missouri Theater is there. It gives the headline attractions of the week in large, illuminated letters so that all who pass by may know what is offered within. And the big sign is of such commanding size to compel attention from far down on Edmond Street, beckoning to all who glance in that direction. Upon opening, the new movie palace was heralded as the distinctive showplace of the city, a definite contribution to the welfare and happiness of the community. The monumental Missouri theater is rich in magic beauty and exotic daring. Its soft tones and luxurious comforts, its marvelous cooling plan, its service, will make it a popular meeting place. And according to the Missouri's National Register nomination, this is exactly what happened. From the time of its opening until the end of World War II, the Missouri Theater was the prime first-run house in town. It operated as a cinema until 1970. By 1976, though, demolition was on the table, and a local group, Town Hall Center, was formed in response. Their purchase of the building was the catalyst for the eventual purchase and restoration of the Missouri by the city of St. Joseph. They have been careful caretakers of the building since then, ensuring that another fabulous Bowler Brothers Theater survives for future generations. Today, it's home to several arts organizations and regularly hosts live performances. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you'll join us for our next episode when we look at just a few of the Bowler's best theaters from 1928. Until then, may your seats be ever in the center 